Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where our goal is to help you find health and community through movement. I'm Molly Herford, a writer, coach, and yoga teacher. And I'm Peter Glassford, an endurance coach and kinesiologist. Every week, we're talking to athletes and experts who can help you lead your best active, adventurous life. Whether you're a gravel racer, a marathon runner, or you just got out on your first bike ride yesterday, we're here cheering you on. You can also visit us online at consummateathlete.com for coaching information and training tips, nutrition advice, yoga flows, bike skills, and more. And now, let's get into this week's episode hello hello welcome back to the consummate athlete podcast peter how's it going it's going well summer is elapsing quickly but we are rolling along and happy about it here we're happy to be back rolling in all different ways and yeah we're we're doing well yeah i think you're pretty excited you have a mass start event coming up midweek this week well, potentially yeah yeah we're gonna do just sort of a weekly race so that'll be first i mean i've done a couple different types of races but yeah it'll be sort of First time on a start line in a while, for sure. So I'm excited about that and just sort of easing in with, you know, low-key races to start, some fun stuff. And yeah, that's where it, I think that's what I actually like about racing is, is much more that, where there's lots of people you haven't seen and people you want to see. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how about you? What are you doing? Well, my mileage is finally creeping very slowly back yeah, up. You're back after this, you know, recovery from some big events and then also a bit of a knee. Knee situation. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a little irritating to, you know, go from, ah, yes, 50 miles, no problem, to like, ugh, 10 miles, that feels long. Um, Yeah, yesterday I had 13 miles, like, on trails and hills and gravel roads and stuff, and man, I was tired afterwards. Like, it was, you know, a harder, longer 13 miles than just doing it just on a flat road and everything, but... Holy smokes, I did not expect to be quite as, like... You utilized one of my favorite tools of the... You know, the point to point or the I dropped you on your feet uh, in the middle, you know, not in the middle of the forest, but on the edge of the forest. And you had to sort of run through it to get back home. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, swing by my favorite bakery on the way back. Win win. So, yeah, good. Good feelings, though. I'm it's it's nice to feel fatigued again. You know, it's getting really irritating. These short little runs where, you know, you're just going and hoping that you're avoiding any knee issues. So. You know, four miles just does not really cut the mustard when it comes to feeling like properly fatigued. So it's nice to actually get that feeling back. Okay, very so, good. Yeah, that's been good. We've got some good stuff going up on the website lately. Um, there's a new, really nicely nicely filmed 30-minute yoga video over at consummateathlete.com. I did that with the local Rogers TV station here in Collingwood, Ontario. So you can find it on local uh, public access, which makes me feel very Wayne's World. Um, very exciting for me. And yeah, we have the whole video is just up online though as well. So if you want a 30 minute yoga session, pop on over to consummateathlete.com okay. and grab Maybe a good that. good tool. A lot of our, our coaching clients are, you know, we, we have, we put our weekly Zooms on hold for the summer as everyone goes on different travels and hopefully back to racing. So this might be something to hold them through till the fall winter. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So today, today's guest, we have mental performance consultant Amy Bell out of Ottawa and I've now talked to Amy a bunch of times I've had her do some zooms with me and the Ontario Cycling Association Um, I've talked to her for a few articles I'm working on for Canadian Cycling Magazine and Canadian Running Magazine Uh, but I really wanted to get her on the podcast to talk about sort of all things mental performance and I mean that's a huge conversation going on right now with the Olympics going uh, you know with Simone Biles electing to 
you know, step back and focus on her mental health. It's been a conversation with women's tennis. Um, and I mean, in cycling, it's I'd say we've been talking about mental health in cycling for quite a few years now, which is pretty impressive to yeah to be sort of I think it's probably, le- probably fairly, not leading I don't know why it would but, be more prevalent in but maybe individual sports have it you know talk about it more it's, it's often a, especially endurance sports are a bit of a mm-hmm. a mind battle right so it's it could be that uh, now you you found a bunch of you were looking for a bunch of uh, experts and and sport uh, mental consultants I should say and you found them in a, a database Yes, and I'm gonna butcher the acronym. I think it's CSPCA. Okay, or well, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely put that in the show. So if anyone's looking, like I know that's always my complaint is that it's hard to find someone who's open for business in in sports psychology, and that's maybe not fair. But and now, hang on. We also get into the the slight difference between sports psych and mental performance okay. consulting. So I think that's actually the biggest issue is sports psych. While a lot of mental performance consultants have masters and PhDs, they've gone a slightly different direction than sports psych. So it's a different designation, even though a lot of what they do looks pretty much identical. Okay. Um, so I think part of the the issue is people are maybe searching sports psychologist in my area, but if they actually looked mental performance consultant in my area, they'd have a much broader range of people. Okay. So this list that we're going to post has the mental performance consultants? And sports. Sites. Okay. It has everyone. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's a really extensive list. I was really surprised when I saw it. And a lot of them actually are, in fact, open for business. I'd say COVID has really pushed them to be more open for business now that they had to shift to Zoom. You know, a lot of them worked in, in university settings and right. had more of that, like, door knocking policy, I would say. And then this has sort of forced them to, you know, set up online booking and have online hours and sessions and everything so even though they're going back to some in person now i think a lot of them are keeping that zoom so you can now have a mental performance consultant say in you know vancouver or ottawa or wherever if you live in you know florida right right it's maybe got pushed along great yeah so that's good yeah i mean it's such an important uh component of performance but also life right and i think as you say this last year or two has definitely brought that to light i think for for people generally and then certainly for endurance athletes who are you know, trying to get back to competition or deal without having competitions. Yeah. And I think that's what I've liked about the last couple of conversations we've had with these mental performance experts. We had Val Hat on as well. And I've been really excited to mainly talk about more of the motivation, goal setting, you know, how sport relates to life, that side of mental performance, rather than just what do we do about race day jitters? And we talk about that too, because that is a, a big thing for a lot of athletes. But I really liked, I think we've gotten away from mental performance is just about race day and we've gotten much more into, no, it's actually looking at your whole life. And I mean, if you're super stressed for the months heading into your race, it's not like deep breathing on the start line is going to, you know, really magically just boom, it's all gone and now you're good to go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's you want to practice this stuff when it's not, you know, the, the high stress, the high, you know, the important day, I guess. Yes, exactly. All right. Well, let's get into this conversation. Definitely head over to consummateathlete.com and check the show notes for all the links we just mentioned. And now enjoy this conversation with mental performance consultant, Amy Bell. Amy Bell, welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to talk about all this stuff. So, I mean, let's just start with sort of the, the broad question here. What exactly is a mental performance consultant? Well, you know, that's a, that's a great question. And I think 
a lot of people have heard the term sports psychologist and mm-hmm. that's the the title that they really identify with um and while we do study in the field of sports psychology um we the the term psychologist is a protected title uh in in ontario so in order to call yourself a psychologist you have to have a degree in clinical psychology and so um and while there are some uh mental performance consultants that do have um that background most of us just have um a uh, a master's or um, something something similar, and we're certified through the Canadian Sports Psychology Association. Okay. I like how you say, like, just a, just a master's. Yes. <laughs> uh, like, it's super easy to just get a master's in kinesiology. Um, so, I mean, like, what drew you to this field? How did you end up doing this? So, I did my undergrad in kinesiology at the University of Ottawa, um, and I'd always been interested in sports and physical activity. I've always been active um, throughout my childhood into my teens, and I knew that I wanted a career in sports somehow, somewhere, some way. Um, and I'd originally actually thought all along that physical therapy was going to be the route that I was going to take. Um, and then, so I started um, in the Bachelor of Science program at, uh, in human kinetics at the University of Ottawa. And in our second year, we had a course, um, an intro to sports psychology course. And it really piqued my interest. I had a great professor and it really opened my eyes to what that kind of a career path would, would look like. Um, and it, uh, and, and with my own experience too, um, any of those, I mostly play team sports, but any, any of those big, big games that, you know, big playoff games or games that, that meant something, I would feel really nervous mm-hmm. and I'd get those, those jitters. And I'd always wondered if there was a way to, like, there has to be a better way to deal with that rather than just, you know putting my head down and trying to plow through it. And um, so that was, that also really resonated with me as well was, wow, I can actually help people kind of work through that to achieve their full potential in, in whatever, whatever domain that they're in. Sure. It's sort of like physical therapy for your brain. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Okay. What, uh, which team sports did you play? So, I am a big uh, hockey, uh, hockey fan, hockey player. Um, but I really, throughout my throughout my childhood, I played pretty much everything: soccer, tennis, badminton, um, ringette. I did dance for a while, took swimming lessons. So, uh, but hockey was really, really kind of my my favorite. Nice. Um, but I will say, I have gotten into running um, the last few years, and I love running there really is you know nothing nothing like going out and you know really pushing yourself and and feeling really good after (laughs) yep yep it's funny my my younger sister got into running sort of at the start of the pandemic and the first like month she was into it she texted me she's like is it always just gonna suck like this and I was like (laughs) I mean honestly like yes to some extent (laughs) (laughs) but you'll learn to enjoy it 
And then she texted me like a couple of months after that. She's like, oh, I think I finally kind of enjoyed it today. Like it yeah. still sucked, but like I enjoyed it. I'm like, yep, that's about as good as it's going to get. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, you, you mentioned in your, in your bio that you're also very into this idea of, you know, mental performance skills that sort of seep into real life. And I, I really like that because I feel like I'm not great at reading sports psychology stuff just because I, you know, sport, like I'm, I'm very passionate about athletics, obviously it's what I do, you know, for fun (laughs) and, and kind of for my career, but I'm also like very much, you know, I'm a writer. I have all of these deadlines. I have all of this stuff going on. I have this and this and this. So I like kind of thinking about more of a holistic approach to to mental performance, if you will. Um, and you you mentioned that in your bio, which is why I was so excited to chat with you. So <laughs> let's talk about how those two sort of feed into each other. Yeah. So, and that's one of the things that I, I think I love the most about teaching mental skills. Um And so just like there are physical skills that we learn in sport and physical activity or or even in a performance domain like music or acting even, um, there are there are also mental skills that we can use to help um, improve our performance. And so the great thing about these mental skills is just like physical skills are transferable between between sport um, and physical activity, those mental skills are as well. And so, um, so for example, you might be working on relaxation maybe before to help calm those pre-race jitters, but that's something that you can also use uh, before a big present, big presentation at work, or before a job interview, or you know any anything really where you know to help you sleep at night, mm-hmm. or um, or anything, and so. And so that's what I really, really love about teaching mental skills um, is that once you've learned it, you can apply it anywhere. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think that's that's just so huge to me. And I like being able to, yeah, just kind of translate all of those things back in. I I keep mentioning this, but I was doing a podcast with Canadian Cycling Magazine back in January and I'd written their like new year, new you piece. And uh, we were joking about it, but the, the podcast person for them was like, you write a lot about productivity for someone who's like right like writes about endurance sport. Like why is that? And I was like because I don't think you can have one without the other. Like you can't be efficient at both. <laughs> like I don't know. I just there's such a crossover in my mind. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Huh. And it's it's funny too because I think um you know people talk about you know how many times do we tell people to oh just relax? just, just relax or, oh, just focus. And, yeah. and it's kind of implied that, that we're born with these skills and we know how to use them and when to use them. And, and we, we don't, we don't quite often, we have to be taught how to do it, when to do it, you know, um, mm-hmm. and, and in order, and we need to practice them in order to be able to rely on them when we need them. Yes. I think the practicing is really funny to me because usually when you're talking about sports, mental performance, you're always talking about race day. Like race day is sort of the most common, okay, race day jitters. And it's like, well, first, first and foremost, like you can't just start practicing that at 4am on race day. Like that is not gonna, it's too late. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, then, I mean, we've learned in the past year, like man, in Ontario, we're screwed. We haven't had races in like 16 months. Uh, so like, I just did a, I just did a big run on the weekend that I was sort of treating as my like a race of like the early season, because 
was like, crap, if I don't pretend that I have a race coming up, like I'm going to forget how to race and like how to <laughs> not be stressed. So I actually like invited the race day nerves and invited the stress in like just so I could remember what it felt like. Um, but like, let's, let's back out. Like, what are, what are some of the, the mental skills that athletes should work on? I mean, we know race day nerves, but like, what else is there? There's so, 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 so many. much. Yeah. So <laughs> many. And it, and it really is um, dependent on who I'm working with, right? Whether it's a team or, or an individual. Um, so things like positive self-talk and confidence, you know, we forget sometimes that, yeah, you know, we need to pump our own tires a little bit you know, we spend, you know, some time pumping other people's tires, but we need to pump our own as well. Oh, such um, a good metaphor for a cycling audience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, that wasn't even on purpose. That was, that just, that just happened. Um, even things like uh, motivation, focus, imagery and visualization, uh, stress and emotion management, um, which kind of ties into relaxation as well. Mindfulness and meditation is another another topic that's become really popular in the last few years um and even things like goal setting communication um uh, overcoming adversity team building i mean really you name it and and it can be applied somehow to uh sport and physical activity or performance in general well i mean i guess like it is sports are sort of a metaphor for life so therefore like the entire range of human emotion and feeling would be sort of involved there Exactly, exactly. And athletes aren't robots, right? Like, it's very hard to separate sometimes what's going on in our personal life and what's going on in our sporting life. And so, um, again, anything that you can apply in one, you can apply in the other. I love that. We always say, you know, it's so easy to look at like your training schedule is over here and then your work schedule is here and it's a separate calendar. And then your like family life schedule is over here and that's a separate calendar. So, you know, often my, my husband, who's a cycling coach, will help clients who, you know, they'll be like, oh, I felt really sluggish on the bike today. And he'll be like, oh, like, you know, what's going on? And they're like, oh, well, I had this huge presentation at work today. Or like, or, you know, oh, I didn't sleep last night because my newborn was up. And Peter's like, wait, you have a new baby? Like, <laughs> why, why did this not get brought up? Um, because every, like people are so compartmentalized where sport is just over here and then everything else is over here. But of course, everything's going to seep in together. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We're, we're one body, right? And our body does everything. And exactly. so our brain does everything as well. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Okay. You mentioned self-talk. So I definitely want to, I want to dive into this a little bit. Um, <laughs> in, in your observations, like what, what are some of sort of the, the biggest issues you see athletes having with self-talk? I think, and the first, the first thing is that self-awareness, right? And that's, that's going to be kind of the basis for any uh, mental skills work is, is, is self-awareness and being able to notice when your brain starts to go off track a little bit. Uh, and yes. so recognizing <laughs> like, and it's funny because our brain works so fast sometimes that we've you know, it takes two or three, sometimes four or five thoughts before we realize what's actually going on. <laughs> and so, so being able to recognize when that negative talk comes in, right, that negative self-talk, those negative comments, um, being able to identify that is huge. 
because when you're able to do that, then you can start trying to to change that a little bit or try to make it more positive, right? Um, okay, now so here's, that's, that's here's really- a weird, weird question on that. I feel like I've gone a little too meta on my self-talk where now I'm thinking about thinking about how I'm thinking <laughs> if I'm thinking. So yeah. I'd be like, I'm like on a run, it's like getting hard. And then I start like questioning, like, am I having negative self-talk? Did I just have a negative thought? Am I having a negative thought right now? Maybe I should have a positive. And then I'm like thinking so hard about thinking that I've completely forgotten how to, how I'm actually feeling or like what I'm actually thinking because I'm trying so hard to like replace this potentially negative thought that I'm not even sure I had with a positive one. (laughs) So is it possible, is it possible to get stuck in like a, like self-talk loop? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and so, and so that's where something like, like mindfulness, um, comes in handy and to try and stay in the moment. Right. Um, and also accepting that, you know, we're human, we're going to have thoughts, we're going to have feelings. They're not always going to be positive. Um, and allowing yourself to feel what, whatever you're feeling, um, giving yourself that, that space and that, and, uh, and that acceptance. Um, and, Hung- and really, hungry was the answer in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> also, also a very important feeling, um, <laughs> one that you shouldn't ignore. Um, but yeah, and so so allowing yourself to 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 feel that, to think that, and going, okay, I I I know that this is going to happen, right? Those negative thoughts and feelings are uh, they're inevitable, right? Even the most positive person will have negative, negative self-talk and negative thoughts. But it's it's then going to work to to change that or to okay, how can I use this? How can I channel this in a more positive direction? Oh, it yes. takes work. It takes practice. But again, just like just like you would practice, you know, you'd go over the race course you know, before your race or whatever, like it's the same thing with mental skills. Cause mm-hmm. again, like you said, or I am on race day, not the best time to be trying new stuff. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. It was funny during my run on the weekend, I kept like probing myself a little bit to be like, are you hitting the wall? Are you going to that dark spot yet? Are you there yet? Are you there yet? <laughs> be like, no, I think I'm actually okay. And then I was like kind of upset that I didn't really ever hit that dark spot. <laughs> <laughs> it's like darn it I was totally ready for it <laughs> bring it on <laughs> okay so you mentioned mindfulness which clearly my very busy brain desperately needs I'm extremely bad at meditation um yeah what are what are your thoughts on on meditation is it for everyone should everyone do it how do we get started we're just taking a quick break from today's episode to talk to you about inside tracker So you want to take charge of your health and wellness. That's why you're here. You're trying to do all the right things for your body to get more energy, better sleep, and a healthy immune system, and you probably want to improve your performance. And of course, live a healthy, adventurous life for a long time. But it's confusing out there. There's so much information and misinformation, and what works for someone else might not work for you. You want a clear picture of what your body looks like on the inside a clear measure of whether your diet and exercise choices are helping or hurting, and a clear idea of who and what to trust when it comes to health, wellness, and performance guidance. 
Founded in 2009, Inside Tracker is the ultra personalized performance system that analyzes data from your blood, DNA, and fitness tracker to help you optimize your body and reach your health and wellness goals. The recommendations that come from the analysis are ultra personalized, and you can choose the ones that are most compatible with your lifestyle. Each recommendation is directly linked to a peer reviewed scientific publication. And Inside Tracker doesn't just show the normal biomarker zones, they show you the optimal biomarker zones and numbers that are best for your body. And now, for a limited time, you can get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com/consummate. That is insidetracker.com/consummate. All right. Now, back to the episode. A great question especially because like I mentioned before you know it's it's becoming more popular and, and more mainstream and so people are generally curious about it um and I think if hey if you're open to trying it why not you know um and and you know it doesn't doesn't work for everybody but you know I think being open to exploration and trying new things um I think is is always a good idea um mm-hmm. starting small and building up from there, I think is is also really important as well. Like even five minutes, you know, five minutes when you're brushing your teeth or, you know, when you're on the bus on the way to work or um, before you go to bed, you know, starting small and focusing on quality over quantity right away, I think is, is really important because you're not going to be able to jump in and do half an hour of really focused meditation or mindfulness right away mm-hmm. <laughs> you know we kind of have baby steps baby yes steps. yeah and can we talk briefly about just like what meditation is like I I know my tent like when I my younger self just like thought you just kind of like sat cross-legged closed your eyes and just like your mind just emptied automatically like boom <laughs> no thoughts and if you had a thought you were wrong yeah so I'm not I'll, I'll be honest, I, I'm not super familiar with, with meditation per se, more so kind of mindfulness, but I, I think they're all, you know, kind of the same. Um, and so it's really about being in the present moment and kind of blocking out um, any kind of distractions or, or um, those, those thoughts and and really being in the moment and just being able to enjoy the present moment right and to and to not be worried about what's going to happen you know 5 10 minutes from now tomorrow next week next month next year you know those those kind of things mm-hmm. um and 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 yeah and just being able to to stay to stay present and and enjoy that this is something that i've had to work really hard at too and i still struggle with um, I'm a, I'm a planner and I'm very type A. And so I'm always thinking, you know, five, 10 steps ahead. And so really trying to quiet that, that mind chatter and just, you know, focus on your breathing or, or, you know, focus on how your, how your body's feeling in that moment. And I think yes. people are surprised even at, oh, I didn't realize, you know, you know, I was getting this sensation here, you know, in my feet or, or different things like that. Yes, um, definitely. I think it's actually like the the best way to sell it to athletes. I've I've found is to like talk about that like full body scan. So you're like really like scanning all the way from like top of your head to the bottom of your toes. 
like how is everything feeling because it's it's like okay this is practical i can see the like application there's like something i can maybe put in my training peaks account and like comment i can add after it so for those of us who are like super type a and need something (laughs) to think about that's like a pretty good pretty good starting point we'll say yeah yeah absolutely absolutely yeah um and so what are what are some of your other favorite habits for building strong mental performance i'm i'm a really big self-care uh advocate and um and and doing those little um those little things that are going to help recharge your battery or refuel your tank at the end of the day um so things like spending time outside in nature or especially now that the weather's a lot nicer here in Ontario (laughs) thank goodness um you know taking a bath making sure that you're eating well and and getting good rest um and I, I always use the the analogy of you know as an athlete your body is like a Ferrari or like a really high end sports car and if you feed it garbage you're going to get garbage back. If yes. you feed it really high octane, you know, the really high test, you know, good quality fuel, your performance is going to be much better. You know, you're not going to break down, you know, all that stuff. So um, doing those things um, are really, really important. Um, recovery, you know, huge. And not just, you know, we tend to think of recovery as physical recovery. But I think we also kind of forget about that mental recovery portion as well. Oh, definitely. The athletes who are working like full-time jobs too, right? Mm -hmm. Like you hear these, you know, executives who are working 60 hour weeks who are also like racing ultras or doing Ironman and stuff like that. And it's like their brains are never getting that mental recovery because if they're not, if they're not like on the bike or swimming or running, they're like back at work and probably at some point they're, you know, on their phones, on the run, checking their emails. So yeah, yeah. not a, not a lot of like the mental side of recovery for sure. And that's, I mean, I guess maybe what is like the impact of that? What is, what is our like bad case scenario? What is the crash that comes from that? Um, well, it could be, could be, you know, getting, getting sick, right. Having, getting a cold or a flu, um, it could be, you know, seeing a decline in, in mental health as well, you know, um, especially given the events of the last 14, 15 months. Um, um, dif- yeah, different, different things like that. Like it's, um, any kind of negative thing really like, you know, get, being more irritated with, with people, you know, like our tolerance for stuff goes down. Yes. And as all of that stuff starts happening, our performance goes down too. So from like the practical athletes listening to this who want to perform better, (laughs) like if you're not taking care of like the mental health and the self-care side of stuff, your performance is eventually going to hit a wall. Like you're going to tank, you're going to not be motivated to train, like things just aren't going to work right. Yep, absolutely. Everything's all interconnected. You know, you you might have, you know, you might notice something in one area and then it just kind of everything else kind of starts to unravel then, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it's very easy to pull that thread on that sweater and unravel, unravel, unravel. It's really easy, really hard to knit that sweater back into one piece. <laughs> oh, so good. 
It's actually funny. We've had someone else on the podcast, a strength coach, funny enough, but he's also like a religion professor. So he's like, and he actually talks about knitting in almost that exact same <laughs> metaphor. So that's fantastic. He's going to be so excited. Um, <laughs> I'm all, all about the analogies. I love it. I love it. Uh, so what about stuff like journaling? Is there anything like that that you're particularly into? Any like favorite exercises for athletes? Um, I don't do a lot of a lot of journaling, I find that and it's probably just in my own head. I don't think I'm that great of a writer. So <laughs> <laughs> that's self-talk. So Come on, Amy. Exactly, exactly. Um, but I have actually uh I call it a warm and fuzzy box. And Ooh. so it's basically just a little a little shoe box and I filled it with favorite stuff, stuff that stuff that will make me feel better if, you know, I have a have a tough day or um you know, I need to really focus on, on that recovery, either physical or, or mental. So there's, um, you know, my favorite bath stuff in there, my favorite, my favorite tea, candle with my favorite scent, all, all of that stuff. And I keep it tucked away so that it's not somewhere where I see it every day. And I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just nip into the, into my warm and fuzzy box. Um, but it's for, it's for those, those days where, you know, you just had a tough day and, you know, you need, you need, you need to give yourself a hug. Oh, I love that. <laughs> a hug in a box. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone should have this box. <laughs> yes, exactly. And the great thing is you can fill it with whatever, whatever works for you. It's funny. It, like that actually reminds me of, um, so in Iron Man, you can have drop bags. So like you'll get them. I think there's like two chances to get two different ones, like during the bike and during the run or I might be lying, it might be two during the run or something. But I remember the first time I did Ironman, I filled mine with like, with some of the like normal things like, oh, I'm going to want like this kind of gel, this kind of Snickers or whatever. But I also like added some of like the warm and fuzzy things. Like I had a little like (laughs) note to myself that was just like, you're doing great. And like a list of people that I was like really excited to tell that I finished Ironman. So it was like a reminder that like, "Eh, if you don't keep going, you don't get to like text this list of people (laughs) when you're done here. So uh so yeah it's funny I'm like thinking about how that can actually also be like you can have a race day warm and fuzzy thing too absolutely absolutely yeah I love it exactly um and on that note okay like let's let's talk race day jitters here so how does someone especially okay so Ontario right now you know we don't have racing for at least probably another six to eight weeks so how can someone get started thinking about their race day performance now uh, lots, lots of things, uh, that, that you can do. Um, I find too, that, uh, remembering to breathe is key. Cause I forget to do this all the time too. Like if I have a big, big presentation to give, or, um, you know, I'm doing a workshop with a new, with a new team or whatever. Um, I, I get jittery and I forget to breathe. And it sounds kind of weird because as humans, like we literally have to breathe to keep <laughs> to keep our bodies going mm-hmm. but um often if um if you're if you're nervous or stressed we tend to hold our breath which then causes our brain you know less oxygen to go to our brain and then our brain goes oh i'm not getting enough oxygen and then we start you know our breathing becomes more rapid and becomes more shallow and we're not getting that high quality oxygen that we that we that our lungs need and you know our our body needs so remembering to breathe super super important 
Yeah, it's that's such a huge thing. Every time I'm teaching yoga, I'm always talking about like, okay, are we still breathing? Like, because you know, you get in plank, and the automatic thing is like everything just like tenses up, and you just kind of hold your breath, and you're like, yep, we're gonna be here for a while, guys. Better start breathing because this is gonna be a minute. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, And then staying in the moment as well. Often those jitters come from thinking five steps ahead. And so, okay, what do I need to do right now? Okay, I'm not at the start line yet. You know, I don't need to worry about, you know, my race plan or what I'm going to do, you know, as the race starts. If I'm still in bed, okay, what do I need to do? I need to make sure that I'm dressed. I need to make sure I have a good, a good breakfast. And we'll start with that and see how it goes. And literally <laughs> just taking it one step at a time. Mm-hmm. What about, oh, what about sleeping the night before a race? This is actually where I completely fall apart. So, I mean, I've, I've made up for it by like just banking sleep the week before, mm-hmm. but any tips for like quieting the racing mind when you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, start line. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Only like I have to be up in like eight hours from now. Yeah. <laughs> those, those kind of things. Yeah. Now it's seven hours and 59 yeah, minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, again, breathing, huge, huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, too, uh, I think we have to change the perspective of, you know, what those jitters mean. I think often we give them a kind of a negative um, connotation or we view them in a negative way. And they're not always necessarily negative. Um so changing the way that we think about that can also really help too. So, um, you know, instead of saying, oh, I'm so like, I'm so nervous, I'm so stressed. This is my body preparing itself for a challenge. Okay, mm-hmm. my body and my brain are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Okay, my body is preparing itself for a challenge. I'm going to be ready for that challenge. This is good. Good news. I'm in good shape. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I always try to like phrase it as like, no, this is a good thing. Like if you weren't having jitters, it means you don't really care about the outcome. Like you're, you're not stressed because it doesn't really matter to you. Like it should matter to you. You've done a lot of work. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. You put in a lot of, a lot of work and a lot of effort and, and yeah, your, your body is, is, is gearing up for, for a challenge and, and for, um, for physical exertion. And that, and that's, a, that's a good thing. Yes. Now, if I could just stop that, like adrenaline dump from happening until yeah. the race actually starts, that would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You get to the start line and you're just exhausted. Yeah. Like, Oh my God, I'm so tired. tired. <laughs> Already done this race like 80 times in the past, like six hours in my head. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so the, the next one I wanted to ask you about was an athlete who always kind of drops way back in just the final miles of the race. Like I've always been able to sprint, say like the last 50 meters of a race, but there's definitely a point where I know I'm like almost to the end where it just feels so freaking hard because I think it's because I know I'm almost there. Yeah. How do I not do that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, focusing on what you can control is, um, is important, right? Cause there's so many things during the course of a race that we can't control, right? Uh, race conditions, weather, 
um, other racers, um, you know, the bike even, you know, so, so many things. So focusing on what you can control, okay, effort, your effort, your mindset, and your abilities. Okay, always, always a good start. Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes, you know, you can have the race of your life and it's not enough. And that's, you know, it's awful to say that it's awful to think that nobody ever wants to think that not everyone's going to win. That's the point of the race. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then doing a post race debrief can also really help too. What went well, what went wrong? What lessons am I going to take with me moving forward? Yes. You, know, you know, and not not just from a from a mental perspective, but from a physical perspective as well. You know, did I go out too hard? You know, what what was my what was my training like? What was what was the night before like? You know, did I did I have a good sleep? Did I did I not get enough to eat? You know, all of all of those things. So, um, and also, you know going back to focus for a second being able to block out some of those late race distractions too as you're getting close to the finish line you know maybe you start to check over your shoulder a little bit um you know and again all of those things that you can't control you just got to keep the focus on on you and what you're doing and let let the chips fall where they where they may I feel like every time I'm at the end of the race, time just like slows down a little bit to like, just like 25% longer. It's just the worst. (laughs) Yeah. One day, one day I'll figure it out. (laughs) But I do, I love that you mentioned the the post-race debrief, because I think that's where a lot of people completely miss, miss doing it, right? It's like, it's done. It's in the books. Like I'm out. Don't really need to worry about it again. But I mean so much of that information is so important for next time. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, even just like as you're like, as you're talking to clients and stuff, I imagine it's pretty frustrating to be like, so what's, what is your problem in a race? And they're like, ah, like <laughs> it doesn't go well, <laughs> but, but why? <laughs> yeah. And that's where that, again, that self-awareness piece comes in too. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we I always say to be your own detective is, is our like mantra at this exactly. point. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, you know, sometimes to, you know, having clients that, that don't know, sometimes they actually don't, don't know. And and that's okay. And sometimes they do know, they just don't want to say it. And, and so that being honest, being able to be honest with yourself is, is, you know, important and a crucial, a crucial part of, of the mental skills training process. Yes. Ooh, okay. So that actually made me think of like, what do you do when someone just every, everything that goes wrong in a race or every result they don't get that they want, they have like an excuse or blame something that's like outside of them. Like it's never, it's never them. How do you, how do you shift out of that thinking? And I mean, we've all, we've all done this. Like this is not, (laughs) it's not like one type of person or something. Like we've all been guilty of this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think, you know, really trying to dissect maybe why, you know, they don't want to be honest necessarily, um, 
you know, it's tough. Some a lot of these topics are really personal and mm-hmm. really emotional. They're you know they're emotionally charged. Um. Because well, so, we have so much wrapped up in our performance, right? Like, absolutely. so if we if we don't make it, like, does that mean we're unlovable? So like, okay, we didn't make it. So now we need to like figure out like a reason we didn't make it because otherwise if it's just on us, then then we're unlovable. And like, what, what is the point? Yeah. We're <laughs> so, un- unworthy. Um, yeah, it can know. go dark real quick. Yeah, really quick, really quick. Um, and And also too, you know, sometimes just falling back on the the facts right mm-hmm. you know if if for a race you know you can't you can't cheat your split times right you know you can see you know the going back to that hard data the the objective you know uh facts um and that can be a good way to 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 start um and 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 going from there and and continuing to explore you know um I don't it's just in my nature I don't like to be confrontational but sometimes you know that's what you gotta do you Mm -hmm. know you gotta you know it's uh it's those hard conversations you know that people don't like to have but sometimes you know you just have to gotta rip that band-aid off you just you just gotta have them and then you can really start to move forward and really make good true progress you know you're not dancing around stuff that you know might help but might not help mm-hmm. or, or things like that yes no I think that's that's super important and yeah I mean if you if you can't kind of come to terms with with all of that stuff you're never going to progress beyond just yeah blaming everyone else for how your race goes and that's that is not going to help your results in the long run mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and ultimately you know we're responsible for our own side of the street and we can only clean up, you know, what's, what's within our, our bounds. Um, and you know, there, there might be stuff that, you know, maybe you get cut off or maybe, for sure, you know, yeah. and, it's, and it's, and it really is not your fault. And, and, but we, we have to be responsible for, for what we can control. Mm-hmm. Yes. Definitely. That separating like fact from fiction. Cause yeah, like, I mean, fact you you got a flat tire like okay yes that that did take you time or in my case on Saturday like I didn't know where water had been left on our like quote-unquote race course so I wasted like 20 minutes trying to find these like hidden water jugs like yeah I'm not gonna blame anyone else for that that's just that's just race experience right there yeah but it is it was very tempting in the moment to like (laughs) start cursing and yelling yeah (laughs) you know it happens (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, some and you know, not every race is going to be perfect. You're not going to be a hundred percent for every race mm-hmm. or every game or or every day of your life. And so, being able to 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 battle through those days when you're just not feeling it, um, and you know, sometimes you end up having a really good performance. You know, you know, maybe maybe you're not feeling you know great, and you didn't get a good sleep, and you know, your nutrition maybe hasn't been great or, or some combination, you know, of the above. Um, and, and you end up, you know, with a, with a really good result. So mm-hmm. sometimes there just is no rhyme or reason yep, for, yep. for results, but, but that's what makes it interesting. That's why we keep <laughs> exactly. doing it, right? Like exactly. if we knew exactly how every race was going to end up, why would we bother doing it? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 
Uh, okay. And the last piece I wanted to touch on is just right now, especially, you know, in Ontario, in Canada, where we're seeing everyone else going to races and all these other countries, it's a little, you know, it's a little demotivating, not going to lie. So for athletes who are feeling unmotivated around training, and I mean, I'm saying this as like, currently we're locked down in Ontario, but this is, you know, anytime athletes yep. can sort of get demotivated here. So how do we snap somebody out of it? <laughs> So I think um, exploring those feelings of being unmotivated, and again, this is where the honesty and self-awareness piece comes in, um, you know, is it, you know, something with your training training plan? Is it too easy? Is it too hard? Is it, you know, and really being being honest, you know, because um, maybe maybe something there needs, needs to change. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and and then if there are any barriers, you know, like, um, you know, money, equipment, lack of time, lack of support, um, that one's a big one for me. I know I am way more likely to be motivated to be physically active if I know that there are other people holding me accountable for, you know, for, for being there. Um that's why joining a running group was so huge for me because I knew that other people were, were, you know, hoping that I was going to show up. (laughs) Um, And then just, just, you know, just, just getting there, just getting out the door. um, You know, I think often we think we have to be motivated in order to train, but a lot of the time, if we can just start training, we get motivated. Exactly. (laughs) It's yeah, you're right. It's like, like that, kind of reverse reverse psychology but you know it's 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 counterintuitive right to to what to what we think should happen mm-hmm. and then you know we you know sometimes you just got to start even if even if you know it's it's maybe not perfect or ideal ideally how you would start a training session just just start just start somewhere and then go from there and and sometimes that's that's all it is. Is you just got to start doing it, and then your brain kind of kicks in and like, all oh, right, this isn't that bad. I can do this. Mm-hmm. I've done this, you know, a hundred times before. Yep. Um, yeah. And and we kind of touched on this a little bit before, but um, are you more outcome focused or process focused? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes if we're too outcome focused, we tend to to get unmotivated because well, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to win. So what's the point? Or at the moment, Um, I'm not even going to race. So what's the point? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Like my first race could be in six weeks. It could be in six months. Like who knows? Mm -hmm. Um, And so shifting that focus to be more processed focused, I think is, it can also be a really big help. So what can I do today? that will put me in a better position, you know, four weeks from now, six weeks from now, whenever, mm-hmm. right. I can, conf- I can focus on what I can do today and that's going to put me in a better spot down the road. Definitely. Yeah. I've also said my, my go-to trick is like, 
okay, you can skip training, but you're going to be cleaning the house instead. Like you're yeah. not, you're not sitting and watching Netflix or like scrolling Instagram. Like you're doing a chore that you didn't want to do. <laughs> Suddenly I am a lot more motivated to get going. Like, you know, running doesn't seem so bad now. Yeah. <laughs> Self-accountability. Self-accountability. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Well, we know I know we could talk about this all night, but we should wrap it up here. So tell everyone how they can find you and how they can work with you. Are you doing virtual stuff now? Or yeah, tell yeah, us everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Everything is gonna be virtual. Uh, <laughs> um, hopefully it won't take too much longer and things will be back to back to in person. Um, but you can check check out uh i'm on twitter at amy bell mpc um or uh you can send me an email at amy bell at uottawa.ca um always looking to work with with um new new clients um doesn't matter what you know i think it's funny a lot of people think that oh if i'm working with a mental performance consultant there has to be something wrong like yes. I have to have a problem that they need to fit that we need to fix. And, you know, I mean, sure, sometimes, but sometimes people are just curious too about, you know, how can I, you know, kind of tinker with things and, and maybe improve or how can I build on strengths that I already have, mm-hmm. um, uh, which, which I think is, is important as well. No, I love that. I do think like we're, we're shifting to a model now where like people do understand that almost preventative therapy is basically like the the direction we're going, but it is, yeah. it is still definitely weird. I'm actually the, the one bright side of the pandemic maybe for this is that the virtual stuff has grown a lot. So now, you know, here I am in Collingwood and I can, you know, get on the phone with you in Ottawa and we can actually have a session. And I think it forced a lot of, a lot of, you know, mental performance consultants and a lot of other, you know, professionals to actually get online and start doing the virtual stuff, which is making it much more accessible to very busy athletes who maybe don't have, you know, the time to actually go sit down with someone, but they can hop on for, you know, 45 minutes or whatever. And yeah, absolutely. Even, even half an hour, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, people think of, you know, therapy as, or, or, you know, lying on a, lying on a couch and it's like, no, like, you know, it's funny. I find people are open up more easily if if we're walking (laughs) totally so like so you know going for a walk somewhere like like I'll do a session like that or um, at a coffee shop or you know like it it, it, trying to trying to kind of quash those those uh stereotypes around you know mental health and the scary vibes (laughs) and yes exactly exactly yeah (laughs) Oh, amazing. Well, I will include all of that stuff in the show notes. so Everyone can definitely check it out and hopefully get in touch with you. Thank you so much, Amy. This was super fun. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I, I could talk about this all night if I could. So I really appreciate the opportunity. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you enjoyed this or any of our past episodes, do us a solid and leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts and check out our book, Becoming a Consummate Athlete over at consummateathlete.com questions or comments, find us over on Instagram at consummateathlete, and we will see you next week.